Well, hello, amigos. It is your friend, your amigo. Let's do it together because I know you've done it before. Carlos Enrique with Gusmana Jibol or Los for short. And we are here to talk all things parenting again. Welcome to Parent Q Live. I am your host for the day. And I'm telling you, we have, I personally am so, so excited for this episode only because we're going to be talking to somebody that has had a profound impact on my life. He may or may not know this, but um, he really has his thoughts, his teachings. And what I love about what he's doing right now is he's not only going to leave a lasting impact on my generation, but he has written, I'm getting ahead of myself, before we even get to who he is and what he has done, let me tell you guys a little bit about what we do here. Parent Q Live, we're, we're, we're here to give you guys cues on how to do family better. That's really it. I'm in no way, shape, or form an expert, but what I am is in the middle of the mess with you guys. I've got a, uh, gosh, look, I'm, I'm forgetting how old my kids are now, a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 11-year-old at home, and so we're in the middle of that season of madness, and it is absolutely a beautiful sense of madness in our home. And so what, what, what I can appreciate about where we all are on the parenting spectrum is, is there's just one truth. We're trying to figure this thing out. We're trying to do it better. And today we're going to take another step towards that. Who are we talking to? Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking to our friend, Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio. I've always loved just saying his last name, Giglio. It's just a fun name to say. And Louis is the pastor of Passion City Church. He is also uh, the founder of the Passion Movement. And gosh, he has impacted so, so many people in my generation and generations um, that have gone past us, I guess, the younger generations, I guess, um, not only with his biblical teaching and just the truths that he is able to package into such a digestible way, but in the movement of music and worship music that that he really, I mean, Louis, if you're listening to this, I'm just going to say, you've, you kind of pioneered it, bro. And um, we're, we're just, we're so grateful for it. But what we're even more grateful for is today, Louis is going to be talking to us a little bit about his children's book. Wait, what is that? Yes. Louis Giglio has a children's book. It's called Indescribable 100 Devotions for Kids About God and Science. Come on. First of all, I want to say big ups and props for putting in science, not just God, but God and science because God created science. Today, we're going to be getting definitely more spiritual uh, leaning on the spiritual side of things than, than we normally do. And I think that's a great thing because here's the thing. We love focusing on the kind of different development areas of your, of your child. We love to be holistic here. We love to talk about emotional needs, moral needs, physical needs, but also spiritual needs. And that's where we're going to be leaning into today. So again, we're going to be talking to our friend Louis Giglio about this, what it means to raise kids with a big, humongous view of God. Listen, Kristen Ivey, uh, my incredible co-host, had an opportunity to sit with Louie um, not long ago and talk about exactly what it means to raise a kid with a big view of God. So this is it, guys, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up for this conversation with Louie Giglio. Thank you so much for being here with us today at Parent Q. Um, 
we get to talk about some really, really exciting stuff. And it's just an honor and a privilege to hear from you and gain some wisdom as you always have just incredible things to say. Thanks so much. Uh, It's a real treat to be on with you. And so one of the things I wanted to dive right into is as we listen to your message, and I've followed your messages for a long time, I hear you talk about our view of God and that the way a person thinks about God really matters. Why? Why does it matter the way that we think about God? Why is that an important thing about being a person? Yeah, well, A.W. Tozer said something that marked my life and has marked my life for my whole life. He said the most important thing that any of us think is what we think about when we think about God. And if we were all created by and for God, which is what I believe is what Scripture teaches and it fits with what's inside each one of us, we were made, we aren't the maker, and we were made for the maker. So there's something about us that's looking for and longing for the one who made us. And if your view of the one who made you is skewed, then you're never going to complete your purpose on earth, which is to connect with the one who made you. So the enemy's got a plan. Wow. And his plan is to skew our concepts of God mm-hmm. so that we either hate him or think he hates us wow. or choose to not need him because we think, why would he ever be interested in someone like us in the first place? And that's probably where a lot of people on earth fall. It's like God wouldn't even know me if I walked up to him and introduced myself. (laughs) And they feel a sense of irrelevance or insignificance in life, maybe in general, but certainly as it relates to any divine being. And so the enemy's really messed up a lot of views of God, and he's done a lot of it through the fathers that we have on earth, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a no knock on dads because there's not a perfect dad out there, but there are a lot of really messed up dads out there. Mm And Jesus taught us above all things in Scripture that God is a Father. He did teach us that He was Lord. He taught us that He was Creator. He taught us that He was Jehovah God. But more than anything else, Jesus taught us He's a Father. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Not great God Almighty who is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And He is a great God Almighty. We see that in the next line, hallowed be your name. But I want you to know He's knowable. He's approachable. He's somebody you can have a relationship with. And so when you back down from the father relationship, you see how it's broken, especially in America and in our Western culture, then you understand why so many people are struggling to trust God, to believe God, to have an intimate relationship with God and to build a future with God because they've never had any of those things with the most important primary relationship that they had on earth, which every kid loves their mom, Mm -hmm. but every kid longs for the approval of their dad. Yeah. And so what we try to teach people is God is a father, and he's not the reflection of your earthly dad. He's the perfection of your earthly dad. He's not just a bigger version of whatever you got on earth. He's the perfect version of what you got on earth. And he's what you're looking for and what you're longing for. And I think when we do that, we can repair. I know we can repair people's view of God. And that's just one way that it's skewed. It's also skewed a thousand other ways. But it's important that we get it right. I was recently talking to a friend of mine who came out of foster care and that your conversation reminds me so much of what she was saying Um, in her own journey, in her own life. She pointed us to a scripture and a passage that says, can a mother forget the child at her breast or the baby to whom she is born? Mm -hmm. And though that, though she may forget, I will never forget you, which was just, I had never really thought about that passage through that lens of saying, actually a parent, an earthly parent could forget their child, Mm -hmm. um, but this is the kind of parent that does not and that God is a perfect 
perfect parent in that way. Yeah, um, I love a that. Huge, powerful, huge, powerful concept. So for you, I know you've also had this ongoing, what I would call big view of God. I think when I listen to you talk about God, God is so powerful and so big, and you've never lost a sense of awe and wonder at who God is. Who planted that in you? Who put that in your life? I don't actually know where where if there was a person that planted that, but you know I referenced A.W. Tozer a few minutes ago, and he has been a big voice in my life. I mean, there have been three or four really big voices in my life. Charles Stanley would be one, my pastor from when I was uh, in sixth grade going into fifth grade to when I graduated from college. So the formative, formative years of life, that mm-hmm. guy was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, because we went to church <laughs> a lot back then. And he shaped a view, a big view of faith for me. But you don't have big faith unless there's a big God. Mm -hmm. And I think that the big God view came because he preached Scripture. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't just preaching principles for life. He was really preaching Scripture. Mm -hmm. So we could be in 1 Kings, 2 Samuel, Ezra, Luke. You know, it wasn't like, and let's turn to the Proverbs again. Or let's turn to our favorite epistle again that we've been in a thousand times. It was anywhere and everywhere because he just preached all the way through Scripture. And when you do that, ultimately, Scripture is not a collection of books. It's a book. Mm. It's a story about a God. And he is a big, glorious God over time in history. And I think you osmos that when you're being exposed to the whole of Scripture. A.W. Tozer, and then his protege, if you will, Dan DeHaan, who was a real big voice in my life when I was in high school, also in Andy's life. He was the guy that spoke at our youth camp. We've spoken at a lot of other people's <laughs> youth camp, but Dan Don was the guy speaking at our youth camp. He was the chaplain for the Falcons. He started Metro Bible Study in Atlanta, which mm-hmm. was the first one in, in America. Spoke to thousands of people on Tuesday night, and he was a hero and a legend to me. And he was a, I turned out, turns out later when I started reading Tozer, he was just channeling Tozer (laughs) in more contemporary language. But Tozer, some people call him a mystic, and that word trips up and troubles people. So if you're listening to the podcast, don't get tripped up or troubled by that word. We're not really pushing mysticism here today. But he he was a mystic in the sense that he understood that God is mysterious. Mm. And that's not an anti-biblical idea. That's a very Mm. biblical idea. In fact, in places in Scripture, it says, just stand in awe Mm -hmm. of him. Mm. You know, there are no words at this moment. And I had an experience in college, long answer, uh, when I was studying Mount Rainier at Georgia State University in a science lab, ended up going out to Washington State. I had an experience Mm -hmm. on Mount Rainier, shaped my life as a 19-year-old college student. I understood the difference that day between knowing a lot about something and truly knowing something. And facts are amazing, but revelation is life-changing and transformational, and and so my formative years were around people who were not um, looking down at God, but they were looking up at God. Wow. Now, how do you, in a life in ministry and the day-to-day and the tasks that you go through, how do you continue to experience that or refuel that passion or that? I mean, it's easy sometimes for the grind of life to wear on us. What is it that refuels you in those ways? Well, David said something that has always, you know, inspired me. He said, when I consider the heavens, Hmm. the moon and the stars that you have made, the work of your fingers, 
I say, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, the psalm opens with, O oh Lord, our, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Hmm. Well, he was on at work when he did that. He was out with the sheep, most likely in the field, doing the job that his father had given him to do, which was a mucky job <laughs> and a low rung on the ladder job, so mm-hmm. much so that they didn't even bring him in to consider that maybe he could be the future king of Israel. Mm-hmm. Of course, not him. He's out there with sheep muck under his fingernails, and he's in the fields and in the, in the weeds. So he was doing his job when he noticed that God made the universe. He wasn't on a spiritual retreat somewhere mm-hmm. where it's like, let's go out and take a telescope and go out to the Mojave Desert and have a commune with God. So it's possible, David is showing me, that if you live on planet Earth, that you can notice the mystery and wonder of God in the ebb and flow of the grind of life. And we're all in the grind. I mean, yeah. every single one of us is in the grind of life every day, but we're living on a world that is mysterious and amazing and beautiful and miraculous. And so all you have to do is just look over there for a second in the middle of the grind and you can still have that sense of wonder. That's powerful to me as a mom. And I think about my hopes for my children. I hope that they will have a deep faith, you know, a rooted faith. I I hope that it inspires them to do the work that God created them to do as they grow up. Um, And I have all these things that I want to be true in their life. But as a parent, sometimes it's hard to know what my role is in shaping that faith while I have influence with on them in the home. And so much of our day is full of just, I mean, making sure they have food in their belly, (laughs) they're clothed some of the time, you know, it just, it is is a grind and it's not always very glamorous. So what is it that a parent like me, what, what can we do to ingrain that kind of perspective in our kids about finding the mystery and the wonder and the awe? I think it's a big, big question with a real simple answer. And it is be a person of mystery and awe. Hmm. You know, what I think in the, in the parental-child relationship, there, there's two directions, obviously. There's the parent-to-child, the didactic. Mm-hmm. My job, by God, is to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> to teach you how to take care of yourself, right. to teach you how to take care of other people, sure. to teach you how to learn how to live in an organized world, and to teach you all the things about God. Well, that's a big weight. <laughs> for a mom who's trying to, you know, find the carpet on the car that she knows this car has carpet, yeah. but it's two layers down right. below all the stuff. It's layers of lessons. It's, hey, you have to close the door <laughs> when you go to the potty. Yes. And also, by the way, there's this big God. Yes. I mean, it's layers all and at once. And I haven't had a shower yet, yes. and I'm frustrated. Right. So that's a big weight to say I have to teach you everything you need to know about character, about your gifting, about how to be a confident person and about life, and about chemistry, mm-hmm. and math when that comes in the mix, <laughs> and about U.S. history, sure, and about all the things of God. Yeah. And so I think that, yes, that is your calling as a parent. Mm-hmm. But I think more impact is made on children on the other direction in that stream. And that's what the child actually observes in the life of the parent. And kids forget most everything that their parents teach them because people forget everything. Like, (laughs) that's just the way we work in life. But kids rarely forget what they saw Hmm. their parents do. Hmm. They remember that their whole life. Yeah. And so I think it would take some weight off maybe a parent to say, I don't have to teach my kids to be in awe of God. 
I just need to be in awe of God and not all day, every day, mm-hmm. but just occasionally, you yeah. know, and I had a picture of a mom in the carpool, but she's saying, Hey, you guys can do what you want. You can tear the car apart. You can throw food on the floor, watch your iPad, read your book. I don't care. I'm going to worship today mm-hmm. on the way to school. Cause I need about 10 minutes here. Yeah. And the mom just checks out, got worship on the car, hand up in the air, praising God. I'm just with God today. And knowing that those four eyes are glued on that mom and the eyes just learn mom, mom loves God. Hmm. That's great. You know, and, and I saw mom loving that. God. Yeah. I saw mom right. loving God or right. the kid breaks into the study and dad was down on his knees on the chair behind his desk in the home study. Hmm. And the kid didn't stop because he's a kid and went, dad, dad, I need a whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but he will never forget that he saw his dad on his knees in that study, even though he was off to work and he just got home from that trip, but he saw his dad and dad doesn't have to do that every day mm-hmm. at seven fifteen, Yeah. <laughs> and then say, okay, kids, here's what we do in life. We get down on our knees at seven fifteen in the morning, no matter what. He only has to do that really two or three times a month. Mm-hmm for that memory to go into the life of that child. And what's the, what's the memory is maybe even more important than the lesson. Hmm. So, you know, let me tell you why dad got down on his knees. Yeah. You know, I think the kid knows why dad's down on his knees. Right. Because Kids he knows mom and dad aren't getting along good right now. Hmm. You know, dad's dad's got cancer. or He knows that grandpa just passed away or he knows that work's not going good right now. The kid knows why dad's down on his knees. And so the lesson is less important. Maybe this is terrible parenting than the memory. Mm -hmm. The memory is my dad gets down on his knees. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do when I get in trouble? I'm going to get down on my knees. Yeah. We like to say all the time that kids are keen observers. They observe a lot more than we give them credit for. They see everything. And sometimes even if they don't know why in the moment, um, that there is a long memory aspect to it that occasionally it's years later that they might say, Hey, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, something recalled this memory to my mind because of what I'm experiencing now. And now I'm ready to hear what that was all about. So yeah. that's huge. I love that. When um, I was a kid, my, uh, we were at first Baptist Atlanta and we were buying up Midtown. I wish we still owned it, but <laughs> <laughs> the church is gone now. It's out, outside the perimeter, but we owned everything on Peachtree 4th and 5th. We were we would just buy up blocks. We bought the Cadillac dealership. Uh, we bought the SunTrust building on the corner of Peachtree and 5th. Uh, we bought the Masonic Lodge across the street <laughs> and turned that into the youth building. And to do all that, we paid cash for it all. Hmm. And the church went from 300 people when Dr. Stanley became our pastor to thousands and thousands of people in global influence. Well, I had a front row seat to watch that. And every time there would be, hey, we have an opportunity. We're going to buy the whatever. It costs $6 million. And then there was just a season of giving. And we didn't buy it till we had the money. And my mom gave away almost everything we owned as a middle-class family. She mm-hmm. brought their wedding silver mm-hmm. one Sunday. <laughs> the tray and the warmer thing and the... Here she brought it all down. Wow. Uh, she has, had learned to play, was trying to learn how to play the violin. Thank God she gave her violin away. But one Sunday <laughs> she brought her violin. <laughs> we were all, that was one of those, there is a God. 
<laughs> it's good but for the church, good for our family. It's, it's good just for everybody. <laughs> um, but but she and my dad was not really on this wavelength, and so he would he would get so frustrated because it'd be what did she give away this time? Well, I'm sitting over here, seventh grader, ninth grader, going laughing really because of the the fight they would have. But I um, I have a uh, my mom's the memory of my mom's generosity woven way way deep down in my heart. That's amazing. Yeah. There is something about that that transfers um, in a rich way and in a legacy kind of way, mm. and I love that. We're actually really excited about something you've created because I think it will apply to kind of leaving a legacy in the lives of children everywhere. I was just taking a look at this before we got um, a chance to talk about this devotional that you've just written, and it's based on a message that you've crafted, I think, over a lifetime, if I'm honest, something that you've been living and growing into, which is this idea of indescribable, that view of God that is so big and so indescribable that we can do nothing, we can say nothing, but just look up and be in awe. And you've captured that, written it down on these pages in devotionals for children because it's a way to say, hey, how can you think about science and nature and this incredible world we're created to experience and turn that into these eyes looking up toward our God? Um, I mean, I'm excited to be able to share this with my own kids, but what is it as you were creating this resource that motivated you or inspired you? Um, to get excited about giving this out to parents? Well, it was born really around high school and middle school kids. You know, we did a talk, I did a message at at North Point a while back, a two-part message called Indescribable. Ended with this X structure at the heart of the Whirlpool Galaxy, and which kind of looks like a cross. It's not a cross. I'm not saying it's proof of God. (laughs) It just kind of looks like a lot like a cross. And it's interesting that we never saw it until the Hubble Space Telescope was launched and gave us a view into the black hole at the center of this galaxy, which we'd never seen before. And lo and behold, there's a cross in the middle of space out there. But I got kicking around on a lot of that doing morning talks at summer camp with high school and middle school kids. And I was weaving in pictures from NASA Mm -hmm. with scripture and kids were getting their phones out and like mm-hmm. taking pictures of the stuff on the screen. And I'm like, all you have to do is go to NASA.com and there's <laughs> a thousand pictures like these. That's where I got them. But I would say, and here's the Sombrero Galaxy. And I mean, middle school kids are like tuned in, phones out, taking pictures. <laughs> and I'm going, man, this is like hitting a nerve. And that sort of swelled up over time. And I had a friend, Matt Redman. And we spur each other on in space and all kind of stuff nobody's interested in, astronomy and other things. But it all coalesced into that message. The message then just blew up and had a life of its own. No one saw it coming. No one can take credit for it. Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people have watched these two messages, Indescribable and mm-hmm. How Great Is Our God, on YouTube. And a lot millions have seen them in person. just been a crazy phenomenon. And I realized that... God did weave down into the heart of man the ability to to know and understand him through the miracle of creation. Mm -hmm. And I know that kids love it Mm -hmm. because they're fascinated by everything Mm -hmm. uh, down to the minute detail and the big things in life. And so our team got together, took the heart and soul of those two messages, put it in 100 devotions for kids, but not just about space, about animals, about the human body, about the earth that we live on. 
and it is a I think a, a pretty a phenomenal way for people to learn because there is a lot of science in this book but to also learn the most important thing which is that there's not a big divide between faith and science mm-hmm. and it seems like some households are science households and some are faith households mm-hmm. and the faith households are afraid of science because the scientists don't believe in God <laughs> and are right. trying to disprove right. God well no right. scientist is ever going to disprove God because God created the scientist who's trying to disprove him so then there's science households, and they're like, well, we believe in facts and empirical data, and we don't need a supernatural God. But facts and empirical data can't tell a child while that child matters mm-hmm. and while their brother matters mm-hmm. and while their life matters. Mm-hmm. And so it's the merging of these two things together that I'd like to see happen in every home where kids go, wow, God is not anti-science. <laughs> he actually is very pro-science yes. because he created everything that is. But science isn't the be-all, end-all of everything in life, even though it sounds real smart. Right. Because science can't tell me why my heart hurts. Mm-hmm. And it can't tell me why I think there must be something more to life than just living and dying. And so you put those two things together and kids get excited and they go nuts over the illustrations, and they, I've already had them telling me here, I like the penguin. <laughs> and another one said, my favorite animal. I'm like, I, who knew kids were going to have favorite animals? I just like the cover, but every child is like, hey, I like, thank you for the book, Pastor Louie. I like the zebra. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. <laughs> so there's a way to connect, but then there's a big story to be told. That's really exciting. We're actually going to be giving one of these away to one of our listeners who's following along. So anybody that's listening now, you can actually get this as a gift. Everybody has a chance to win it. Not everybody gets to win it, but if you don't win it, you can just go buy your own because that's what <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing for a lot of my friends because I do really think there's a richness to this conversation. I love the God and science thing. I don't know if I used to be a biology teacher back in back in time. Amazing. And so I actually love the stories. If it's kind of a new phenomenon that we have a divide between faith mm. and science, a lot of the early scientists were monks. And absolutely. Um, so there used to be a more natural connection. So I love bringing that back. Um, for any of our listeners, if they want to go to our Instagram at parent Q, they will look for this book cover, Indescribable 100 Devotions About God and Science. When they see the book cover, there's instructions right there that will help you win this for your child, or you'll know exactly what to look for on Amazon when you go and get your own. But um, thank you so much for creating this, for putting this message out there for us to share with our families. And one last thing before we go, we'd love to ask anybody that we're talking with on Parent Q for what we call a cue, we want to give them one practical piece of advice or one thing that they can put into practice this week that might raise the bar a little bit on how they, um, I would say for this conversation, how they pass on faith skills or um, a big view of God to their children. I think the great cue would be to think as a parent about a big idea, if not every week, every month. So maybe just in in the parents' journal, the dad, the mom's journal, or in their conversation, what's one big idea that we're really thinking about this month? So to this month, our big idea is we really believe that if we trust God with our finances, He's going to come through. Hmm. That's what we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing that in some ways that we can't explain to all the kids because it's a little bit over their heads, but that's the big idea. So we're going to look for a moment this month to transfer that big idea to our kids. Hmm. 
And that is a, I, I like doable, manageable goals. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some amazing parents out there that are got all the kids dressed and at the table at seven o'clock <laughs> and dad reads the devotion and mom leads a worship song and, you know, the dog does two tricks and then everybody goes off to their day. That's not that realistic for anyone. No. I mean, adults don't do that. Forget about parents. No single adults are doing that. Life is up and down. Days are different these days. Schedules ebb and flow. What you do on Tuesday is different than what you do on Thursday. You had to be out of town on Wednesday. But if you can think about over the course of this year, we want to embed 12 big ideas Hmm. in the lives of our kids. What are they? Do I know what they are? Mm -hmm. Do I even have 12 big ideas? (laughs) And if you do, then you can find a way in this month two or three times to come around that big idea of mom and dad are trusting God with our finances this month. Mm. And that's new for us kids because we thought for a long time if we managed it, we'd do better. But we're going to let God decide how we manage it, and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And we want to encourage you to join us in that, in this, this, and this, and we're going to put God to the test. And we're going to come back next month and see how God did (laughs) because we're going to trust Him in this area of our lives. That is a great cue to me because it keeps it gives you a message. Mm. And then next week you're like not scrambling to find a new message. You're like, mm-hmm. our January message is X. <laughs> and I think that's a great life lesson. I try to do that. I try to think about big themes for my life. Mm-hmm. And and you normally don't have a hundred of those in a year. You just have six or eight or ten maybe or four. Mm-hmm. But if you can stay on the message, then you can make progress in your walk with God. That's great. I love that. Have a big theme for your life. If you want an indescribable God, lift your eyes up Hmm. and find something big to grab a hold of this week. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been inspiring and challenging and wonderful all rolled into one. Thanks, Kristen. It's a real treat to be on with you. You know, here's the thing. I shouldn't have expected less. Although maybe I, maybe I thought, oh, Louis going to be talking about children's books. But no, truth bombs all over the place and all over my soul. Hopefully that was, wow, just as enlightening to you guys as it was to me. I love, absolutely love the cue. The cue that we got there. When it comes to helping your kids develop a humongous view of God, don't try to focus on everything all at one time. That's just, that's gonna, that's really gonna be too overwhelming. Focus on one big idea, just one, one big idea per month as a family. So, what, again, what are we talking about here? Something like trusting God with your family's finances. Talk about it together. Tell your kids how you're putting big idea into practice in your own life and find ways to put that idea into practice as an entire family. Listen, I, I want to thank Louis again for, um, just, just his, his heart and, um, Gosh, again, what he has poured into my generation, I'm now pouring into my 15-year-old's generation. And so Louis just continues to dump that bucket of truth onto our souls. Also, guys, we're going to have a recap of this episode and a link to Louis's new book in the show notes. You guys can find those show notes at theparentq.org slash episode 49. We're 49 bad boys into this thing. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, as always, thank you guys so much for listening to Parent Q Live. If this podcast has helped you in any way, shape, or form, we would love for you guys to go to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcast and leave a review. Rate us 15 stars. If there's 15, raise us 15. If there's five, rate us five. If there's one, rate us one. Just just rate us the most. I mean, that's what we'd obviously love for you to do. And also share it. 
Share the podcast with your friends. This one I, I know is going to make a tremendous impact, not only in the lives of the kids we're parenting, but in our lives as parents as well. Louis, thanks for hanging out with us. And you guys, thanks for hanging out with us on Parent Q Live. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.